somehow he falls into this dry well. And he brays, as donkeys do when they're in trouble. Farmer heard his braying, assessed the situation, and reckoned neither the donkey nor the dry well were worth saving. Enlisted his farming neighbors who came with their shovels, and they began to shovel dirt down into the dry well. The dirt hit the donkey on the back. He thought, how can they do this to me? This can't possibly be happening. And the dirt was hitting his back. He was being buried alive. And in his panic, one thought crossed his mind. It was a simple thought. Shake it off. And so as the dirt hit his back, he shook it off. And as they shoveled the dirt, he shook it off. And another simple thought crossed his mind. Shake it off and step up. And so he shook and he stepped. And as fast as they shoveled, he shook and he stepped. And they kept shoveling and he kept shaking. And pretty soon, he was at the top of the well. And he crossed over into freedom. Yeah. And the moral of the story, this is what we need to get. The things that seek to bury us have within them the capacity to lift us into a higher realm of living. I see that in Zimbabwe. I believe the church is stronger in Zimbabwe than it's ever been. And the things that seek to bury, God actually intends to use to lift us into a higher realm of living. But we have to shake it off. And we have to step up. Step up and fit I want to talk to you this morning about one thought that I have thought for more than a year now, that my mind has dwelled on, that has lifted me out of a pit that I found myself in. This thought is found in Romans 8.28. You may be familiar with it if you want to turn in your Bible to Romans 8.28. Daily. I have thought on this verse for over a year now. We're only going to look at this verse this morning. Because it's the verse that says I'm possible in God. That the impossibilities are possible with God. The NIV says, and we know that all things... Actually, the King James says, and we know that all things. The NIV says, and we know that God works. And we know that God works in all things together for good. Or to bring about good. To them that love God, to them that are the call according to his purpose. And we know that all things work together for good. That God is at work in all things for good. I call this verse God's assurance policy. Times come in our life where we need extra assurance and comfort and encouragement that come from the scriptures. Many promises in the Bible they're all yes and amen in Christ Jesus. 
this side of heaven, that promise that God will work everything in my life for good is a great promise. One that we need to believe. Especially when we find ourselves in a dry, deep pit where there seems no way out. That verse has lifted me daily over the past year. Last year, a year ago in April, on the 22nd, I was home with my wife. It was a Saturday, typical afternoon at home. And she said, somebody's knocking on the door. And I went to answer the door. As I went to the door, I could see a police cruiser in our driveway. And I hurried to open the door, and an officer looked at me with a solemn face and said, your son in Chicago has been in an accident. I said, is, I, I said, is he hurt bad? I mean, uh, what kind of accident? He said, I don't know, but there's a detective. I have his number. He gave me a number on a, on a piece of paper and said, I'm sorry, and he turned and left. I went to phone the number, and I had to leave a message. There was a voicemail, and a dream that I had two weeks prior, the horror of actually a nightmare, flooded my heart. Two weeks earlier, in my sleep, Ethan was telling me, my youngest of four children, that he was leaving me. And it came with great dread. I said, why are you leaving me? Don't leave me. Uh, and as I was pleading and feeling absolute horror at the thought that he was leaving me, a voice from beyond him said, he's leaving you for eternity. And so as I hung up the phone and left that message, please phone me, I'm Ethan Roser's father, I began to pace the floor of my entrance in my lounge saying, Oh God, you're not taking my son. Please don't take my son. And the horror of that as I paced. And then the phone rang. And Detector Euler identified himself and said, Are you Ethan Roser's father? I said, I am. He said, Your son's been in an accident. He was volunteering for a sporting event. He was measuring for the hammer throw. Uh, and he was hit began to find myself in a free fall. He said, are you sitting down? He said, your son did not make it to the hospital. I said, do you mean he's dead? He said, I'm sorry. And my, my heart broke. All my dreams for him were shattered into a thousand pieces. I can't adequately describe what I felt. But I found myself in a deep and this verse, first glimmer of light, in that tunnel of grief, that somehow God would work together for good, even this thing. And that verse, daily, I fought on it, and it lifted me out of grief despair, anger, 
It lifted me out of all the gamut of emotion. And I want to share with you that verse. Word by word, I thought on it. And we know. And I lie down to sleep that first night, and my mind was blitzing me with the thoughts, you're never coming home. It's two weeks shy of summer holidays in America. He was at Wheaton University studying for the ministry like his two older brothers. He uh, was a young life leader. He was involved in witnessing in Chicago downtown. He was on their soccer team, had a full load of theology classes, uh, and he was volunteering on that Saturday with teammates when he was there. And the thoughts bombarded me. You're never coming home. Not this summer. Never. And I had been working in the lower level to get his room ready. And those thoughts, as I tried to sleep, didn't sleep the first night, and the second night, trying to sleep, those thoughts just bombarded me. And this verse, and we know, all things, God is at work for good. I began to just think on that verse, and. No sentences end with the word and. And says there's more. This promise begins with the word, and. There's more. That's not the end of the story. The narrative doesn't end with and. It connects what's gone before with what's coming after. And I began to just think about the word, and. And we know. And that word, and, and in Romans 8, this had always been a special verse to me when I caught Bible school here. We lived here for 22 years. And I said, students, and these are students in a homiletics class, I want you to put together your life's message. Choose a verse. Maybe choose a character from the Bible. What verse would that be that speaks of your life? And so I had to tell them what mine was. And I said, it's Romans 8, 28. This was even before Ethan was born, youngest of our four, 16 years between the oldest boy and the youngest. We came to Zimbabwe with two children. We had another two here. He was our youngest. And that verse had always been so meaningful to me. And I thought, and. And knowing Romans 8, I thought, it's a conjunction. It's connecting. What has gone before? In Romans 8 earlier, it says, if we suffer with him, we will reign with them. If you're suffering with Christ in faith, Bible promises that you will reign with him. And the scripture says, our sufferings in this present age are not worthy to be compared to the glory that awaits us. I thought, yes, this is, this is suffering. Emotionally, I did not look for it. But and, I thought about, and it's connected with the God who foreknew us, predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. How many know that's a big job? And if there's a little suffering involved, don't be surprised. 
New Testament theology has a theology of suffering, to be conformed to the image of Christ, that we participate in the sufferings of Christ, that the life of Christ might be manifest in us, his resurrection life. I don't know about you, I like resurrection. I like Easter Sunday better than Good Friday. I'd have to preach on resurrection any day. But you don't have Easter Sunday without Good Friday. We call it Good Friday. Didn't seem so good to the disciples. Messiah was going to vanquish the foes of Israel. Instead, the Roman power nails him to a cross. And the disciples says, how can this be part of our story? This doesn't fit. This, this can't be. And we know. Paul writes, and we know. And Paul here in Romans 8 says, whom he foreknew, he predestined. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorifies. Yeah. And it's this beautiful declaration of a sovereign God with whom nothing is impossible. And I thought of, and we know. Paul says this isn't just for him. This is for the community of faith. This is for us. We know. How did Paul know? Well, he had the scriptures. He knew the patriarch's story. Same story throughout the Bible. Abraham can't have a child. Sarah is barren. Years go by. Everything seems against them. God gives them their Isaac. Jacob says, all these things are against me. I can't feed my family. There's a famine in the land. Simeon is hell in Egypt. Benjamin has to go down so that we can buy more grain. All these things are against me. But actually, we know the whole story. God was working everything for us, even the things that seemed to be against us. Paul says, we know. Paul says, you need to know, brothers, Sisters, the things that happened to me, my imprisonment, have worked for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul had a mindset. Come what may. In Romans 8, he says, what shall we say to all these things? God be for us who can be against us. And he lists some terrible things in Romans 8. Troubles and distress and afflictions even hunger, nakedness, all kinds of privation, the sword. He says, what do we say to these things? In all these things, we are more than conquerors. I thought about what we know. Because it's what you know in that day that will lift you out of the pit you find yourself in. I don't know what kind of dirt being shoveled down on your back. And what threatens to bear you and depress you and discourage you and hold you down and keep you from walking in what God has for you. But I know this. The Holy Spirit will help you to shake it off. Mm -hmm. He will enable you to step up. And there's nothing like the Word of God. Knowing the Word of God in the day of trouble. And we know God is at work. We know it. 
I had seen God work things together for good in my family. Our firstborn came more than two months early. They thought he might be blind, mentally retarded. They had him on 100% oxygen. He was seven weeks in intensive care. I remember coming out of the intensive care unit, the neonatal unit, and there were tiles on the wall, smaller than the size of these window panes, and written on them were various things. And there was one tile that I latched onto, and it had a scripture from 2 Corinthians 4. It says, and we do not faint, or we do not lose heart. For though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed. While we look not at what's seen, but what's unseen. He had all kinds of tubes. They were shaking him to give him debris. And the part I latched onto, it said, in our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. Same word, God working together, is working for us a far exceeding weight of glory. While we look not at what's seen, but what's unseen. He had been under three pounds. We took him home. Today, he's six foot five, planting a church in Los Angeles. And it prepared us. That trial, that light momentary affliction, worked something for us. It worked some strength in us so that we came to Zimbabwe. We were ready for troubles. We at least knew there's some shaking off to do and some stepping up. And troubles came. But God, I had seen time and time again work things together. To the point where it comes a knowing. And in my grief, we know God is at work in all things. Even the worst things. Paul doesn't say everything's good. He didn't say that here. But he says God is so good. He is so powerful. He is so all-knowing. He's everywhere. He has the ability to take the bad and work it for good. Paul knew the story of Joseph. You intended it to harm me. But God meant it for good. That many would be delivered. Paul says, and we know. God's at work in all things. It's important that we understand not just the big things. Some people think in their theology is, yeah, God's kind of like the CEO. He, he manages the big picture, right? But he's not concerned with the detail. There's going to be a whole lot of, I won't use the word, that comes down, all right? And God, God's not really in all of that. He's just in the big picture, right? I mean, the boat leaves Liverpool. It's headed for New York. Everybody's doing what they want on the boat. The boat's going to get to New York from Liverpool. But what happens on the boat? It happens on the boat, right? No. Jesus said, a sparrow does not fall from the sky without your father. He says, all your hairs are gone. Jesus says to Pilate, I wouldn't be in your hand unless heaven allowed it. And the person who delivered you is more responsible delivered me to you is more responsible than you are. All these things, the detail, not just the big picture. That's what Jesus believes. God's in the particulars. And so I thought on all the things. 
I thought on Ethan's life, great soccer player. He was on the Wheaton team. He had played with kids a year older, so what? High level, top ten soccer team in America, his club soccer team. As a sophomore, he played for high school varsity. They won the state championship. Very good soccer player. I watched him, though, in the key game his junior year. They were wanting to repeat as state champions. He stretched his leg further than his normal. Went down. Hit the ground. When he hit the ground, he said, it's over. It's finished. He knew right away he had tore his ACL. I was hopeful he wasn't torn. Dr. Fizzle's story. But I have watched my son in his loss go deeper with God, go through surgery. First surgery, they didn't get it right. Went through rehab, had to go through it a second time. I watched him just go deeper with God. Because at that time, he said, Dad, I, I believe the Lord's called me to the ministry, called me to preach. I don't have to go to a Division I school. I want to study for the ministry. And felt led to Wheaton College. And we know God is at work in all things for good. Yeah, we could dwell on for good for a long, for a good long time. For good. Not for evil. Not to harm you. But for good. That word means there. There's an advantage here. There's a benefit. There's something useful. You may be going through some stuff that you said, this ain't good. It may not be good. It may be really bad. But this promise says God will work it for good. Bad as it might be. As horrific as it might be. This promise says God will work it together for good. But the very things that seem dead set against you are the very things that God will work for you. But I do believe we have to shake things off and step up. We have to cooperate and participate. And it's by faith. There's one condition to this promise. We must always know that promises in the Bible have conditions. This has always been a meaningful verse to me, but it's never been a trite glibly uttered verse when somebody's going through something well it all works together for good you know we, we've heard it kind of just said without an understanding better love God qualify for that it says to them to love God doesn't say for everybody do you love God Mark you love him more than your son more than your own life. Do you love me more? Peter, do you love me more than this? Will you believe all, hope all, endure all? That's what love is. It's patient. Believes all, hopes all, endures all. Rejoices in the truth. God began to lift me. I'd be thinking on this verse. And other verses, another verse early on, and the peace of God that surpasses understanding shall guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And we can have questions. Questions are okay. God understands our questions. We need to be honest with God. 
I remember lying on the floor, tears coming down. God, you've never hurt me like this before. Why, God? He'd have served you for five decades. Why? The greatest example of God working things together for good, the greatest example is the death of Christ. I mean, think of it. The sinless Son of God going about doing good, healing people, is put to death, delivered over by his own people, and crucified on a cross. Wickedness beyond anything the world has ever participated in. Depravity unheard of. It was the worst evil ever done on the planet. And God brings about the greatest, most magnificent good, our redemption. The psalmist, and Jesus quotes his words from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from my cry? I cry to you in the day. I'm not silent at night. Where are you, O God? Evil men have encircled me. They pierce my hands and my feet. They cast lots for my garment. My tongue is dried up. My bones are out of joint. God, where are you? Why? 21 verses of Psalm 22. The psalmist asking why. David was honest with God. Christians sometimes, we, we don't deal with the hard stuff sometimes. We even say, well, we shouldn't ask, you know. Don't ask, don't tell, you know, kind of thing. God, no, the psalmist asks. And in the 21st verse, God, he says, you have answered me. And then the answer in the final verses, all the ends of the earth shall hear. Even those who have died have gone into the dust. This will be made known to the generation to come that the Lord has done this, that he has fulfilled his promise, that he has brought salvation through the suffering of his servant. Isaiah spoke of the sufferings of Christ. Who has believed our report? What kind of news is this? He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow. We did esteem him, stricken and smitten of God. They wagged their tongues at the cross, the psalmist said. They hurled insults. They said he saved others. Can he save himself? But he was wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was placed upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. The greatest demonstration of Romans 8.28 is the death of Jesus. Let's make application. I don't know what you're going through, but I know Zimbabwe is going through an ongoing crisis. And I'm sure in your life you are affected by it in many ways. And have been for some time. And perhaps it's worn on you. Perhaps you feel like the dirt is waist-high, or even neck-high. Maybe you feel like you're bare, or being bare. 
never too late to shake it off and step up. That's the possibility of God. Only one thing, choosing to love God. I love the fact that as you gather together, you want to hear from God. You want to hear what God has said. You want to hear God's voice. We need to hear what God is saying. We need to hear God's answers. God's given me so many wonderful answers. He brought me such great comfort. You need to know that. I've written uh, Ethan's story for the last year. It's been so much healing to me, so much help to me, and I hope will bring comfort to others because we go through stuff. We have to shake off. and We have to step up. So I want to ask you to identify Something that you need to shake off today and step up. Something to shake off and something to do to step up and get a hold of God. Just close your eyes for a moment. One thing at least that is troubling you doesn't seem right, not good, it's bad, it hurts, it's painful. Doesn't seem like God is in it. Doesn't seem like anything good can come of it. God wants you to shake that off. He wants you to step in faith. Take a step of faith. A step in Him. A step toward Him. A step up. Have you identified something? You know something you need to shake off and step up in? Everybody got something? If you got something, just stand to your feet. There's something you need to shake off and step up. Yeah, that's right. Just stand. If you don't have anything, that's great. You're sitting and reigning with Christ right now, and that's our position, and that's wonderful. But if you have something, just stand. And I want you just, sometimes I like to do a bodily thing. Just start shaking that thing off. Just, just get that thing off. Maybe, it, maybe it's on your neck or your shoulder. Just, just be like that old donkey. You know, I'm that old donkey. I'm a talking donkey this morning. Like Bayland's donkey. Just shake it off, right? Just get, get that thing off of you. And step up. Believe God. Believe God. Father, I pray for each one of us here today. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you will quicken our mortal bodies. You will quicken us in our spirit that we will have power and authority in Jesus' name to shake that off. Whatever that is, that is troubling us, that is wanting to pull us down, wanting to hold us in a pit. Father, we're going to step up toward you now in faith. We lift up our hands. Just lift up your hands right here. God, thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for lifting us. Thank you for pulling us out of this waterless pit. God, I thank you for how you comforted me and my family. I thank you that you are working together for good. Ethan's early departure, that he's with you. That we know that he is himself, without need, without desire, that he beholds your face. Oh, God. We thank you that you are working it together for God. Not only in the salvation of his friends and their baptisms 
and, and, and other people being touched, but in a thousand different ways in our life. Father, I pray for each person, the particulars that concern them in their life. Just begin to talk to him right now in your own words. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Precious Savior. Lord, we pray for the nation of Zimbabwe. All the precious promises that you've given to this nation and its people. To the church of your son here in this nation. God, we pray and we ask for grace that is greater. More grace, we pray, Lord, upon your body in Zimbabwe. Lord, upon this assembly of harvest and all the churches meeting today throughout this nation. We pray for the Holy Spirit to empower your people to be a witness. God, we pray for revival in our land. We pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that many more would come to acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord. God, that Zimbabwe would never again halt between two opinions. That they would know that Jesus is Lord. That they would bow the knee and confess to the glory of your holy name, Father. That your Son alone is Redeemer. Father, we understand how you feel about your Son, because we know how we feel about our children. Glorify him, Lord. Glorify him in Zimbabwe. Yes. The nations you have given to your Son as an inheritance. Zimbabwe. Oh, Father, grant Zimbabwe extra grace and help. Yes. All God's people said? Amen. Amen.